Welcome guys, it's your favorite football show, the Clean Tackles Podcast. It's our very first show of the year, 2024. Um, anyone who knows me and is a fan of sitcoms knows that um, I'm a fan of Corby Enthusiasm and the character Larry David. I mean, that's why I use his picture as my profile picture on all my social media accounts. Anyway, Larry David has a rule where you don't say Happy New Year after the 7th of January because anything after that is too late. However, like I said, this is our very first episode of the year, and we originally meant to record yesterday, the 7th, but we moved it to today, the 8th. Anyway, Happy New Year, dear listeners. Larry David will understand. And Happy New Year to you, Dotun. Dotun is here with me today. Dotun, how have you been? How has the start of your new year been? Uh, well, I've been good. I'm always good. <laughs> I mean, I like to think that I'm always good. But yeah, years off to a flyer. Um, walk, 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 walk. Like my bosses at work will say, the reward for hard work is more work. So yeah, up and running for the year already. You know, also we didn't get Christmas break like Bio and Chucky, Ako. So I had to walk all through December, apart from the public holiday. So nothing changed. Just back up and running. Yeah, I know last year ended on a very high for you because uh, it ended with the promotion. So, I mean, like you said, the reward for hard work is more work. But um, hopefully there's some, some, few, some few extra cash coming in along with the work. As you... uh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Last year ended on the high for me. I'm not the one that got married. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, on the on the twenty third of last month, I got married. Um, you know, Yomi Kazima has been insulting us now, telling us to get married and all that. In fact, I invited him on this podcast, or rather, to to be part of the podcast. And one of the criteria he gave me before joining was to get married. So I told him, okay, no problem. I was going to get married and tick that box, and then I'll um, I'll get back to him. But yeah, I mean, jokes, are, jokes, are, jokes apart, um, I got married to, I mean, I know everyone likes to say they get married to the love of their life, but um, if he's actually the love of my life, we have a lot in common. Uh, we've been dating for a very long while and, you know, it just got off. I feel like we've been married for, for, for years now, but I mean, it just became official on the 23rd of last month. So yeah, that was um, the happiest day of my life so far. The only thing that can top that would be, I guess, the birth of my first child, which may or may not be coming very soon. We don't know. <laughs> God will. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, good news for us uh, at the end of last year, and hopefully, you know, this year has even better news for not just both of us, but for everyone on this podcast. Uh, so we're we're recording this podcast like i said on the 8th of january monday night uh manchester united versus wigan is ongoing right now they're just in the 14th minute mark let's start with the things that we may have missed while we were on break uh just a quick one um well, let's start with carlo ancelotti who signed a new contract with real madrid uh, pretty much put an end to speculations of him leaving for brazil and Javi Alonso taking over. Uh, what are your quick thoughts on this? I, I felt like this was a no-brainer because there was no reason to let go of him. He had won the Champions League, won the league. He's on top of the league right now. They haven't... I think they've lost just one game all season, and that was to Atletico Madrid in the derby. Uh, like I said, top of the league. They won their Champions League group. Everything is going on well. I see no reason to let go of him in the summer. And he has signed a new contract. Uh, you know, Madrid, they're always attracted to new toys, shiny toys. But for the first time in a long while, they've uh, exercised some restraints and they've kept, you know, the, the, the formula that is working, which is Carlo Ancelotti. But uh, what are your thoughts on this, Dr. Quick thoughts. Oh, so it just falls under the bracket of if it's not broken, we need to fix it. Yeah, um, yeah. Everybody, I mean, even the people that don't like him, I think the whole football world respects him for things that he has done with different clubs all around Europe, right? And this is second Madrid's thing, so it's not exactly surprising, especially when you see how he gets along with those boys. I mean, they have a lot of playful 
guy is there and it's not a boss kill that like there's there's a proper positive energy everywhere in the squad there so i, I think it was a no-brainer especially because the fact that it could have easily been a fire pound to fire scenario if they'd gone mm-hmm. to get um, a shiny new toy and all of that because there's no guarantee that will work anyway so i think um, it's well deserved and hopefully it yields the right results for them yeah i, I totally agree with you on that um secondly and this was a very bizarre arrangement so manchester united and cameroon um over the past was it one week 10 days uh they reached an agreement to allow andre onana stay at the club till sunday the 14th of january when united will host spurs at old trafford and the following day he will travel to join cameroon uh when they play guinea in their afcon opener so this means that potentially Onana could play two games in 24 hours across two continents. So, what are your thoughts on this? And also, what would you be thinking if you were Manchester United second choice goalkeeper Alte Bayendir? What would be? I mean, he's not in goal right now uh, for the game against Wigan, and Wigan they are a League One side. So, I mean, is it League One or League Two? I think League One. And I. Um, I, I see no reason why in a cup game like this against a low opposition, you're not starting your back of goalie. So, what are your thoughts on the whole okay, so it's two, it's, situation? So, it's two different conversations. So, the first one is um, let's talk about second choice goalkeeper first. Um, yeah, it doesn't do anything for his confidence, knowing fully well that this is a game against a lower league opposition and it's a cup game where typically big sides rotate. Um, it doesn't help the fact it doesn't help when you now consider the second question second question being the fact that united have made a special arrangement to keep Onana up until the last minute possible um as far as i'm concerned this is outrightly irresponsible from united to keep him till 14th or 15th or whatever they agreed right um mm. if you look at players in order of importance right there is no way that you can convince me that and Jonana is more important to United than, say, Salah to Liverpool. Mm-hmm. See, um, the other guys that have gone basically, I don't want to call yeah. them, so we don't, so we don't, we don't divert away from the main points, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. it's it's more of players are supposed to be with their countries at certain points in time, right? A specific date has already been arranged, so why not just let the player go? And I mean. Uh, I, I, the favorite thing I do in football mentally is whenever players are going to be unavailable and I don't like it, I just class them in my head as injured. Right? So yeah, yeah, you said something. Yeah, mm. yeah, so if Onana is injured, are you telling him that United is going to play without the goalkeeper or what? Right? So mm. that's why I think it's very, very, very irresponsible. Eventually, um, Alta will get his chance, mostly um, due to the fact that Onana is going to live anyway. Right, so I hope he takes his chance and hope I hope it's not the case of when he steps into goal, everybody starts. Oh, so that's why he was not in goal since. Yeah, I mean, a part of me wants to say maybe there's something they are seeing from him in training that they just don't like. But at the same time, I don't think he can be that bad. I mean, it's... I know, so it's not even a matter of that bad. So mm. I, I feel like it's a recent signing. Um, yeah. This particular coaching crew system and all of that are responsible for this particular signing. So, what are the things that you're seeing now that you did not know before you signed it? Doesn't that show that you're negligent or you're a yeah. bad job in the first instance? So, very true. There's a lot of things joined together. I just think that is very irresponsible from United. Yeah, um, I totally agree with you on everything. So over the past few days, uh, I mean, it's been a sad few days in the world of football with the passing of two icons, Brazil's Mario Zagallo and just today, Germany's Franz Beckenbauer. So both men are two of only three people to win the men's FIFA World Cup, both as players and manager, uh, with Didier Deschamps being the third, of course, with France. Uh, Zagallo won as a player with Brazil in 58 and 
1962, before winning it as a manager in 1970, and Beckenbauer, fondly called the Emperor, won it as a player with West Germany in 1974, on home soil against that brilliant Netherlands squad that had Johan Cruyff, before winning it as a manager with uh, West Germany, of course, in 1990, over the defending champions at the time, Argentina, who, was, um, who were led by Diego Maradona. Uh, Beckenbauer, of course, he won two Ballon d'Or awards, uh, won the Euros, and also won three Champions League titles or three European Cups, at the, as it was called at the time, with uh, Bayern Munich. So, I mean, these are two proper legends of the game. And, um, well, rest in peace to both of them. Uh, the football world is going to miss them. Um, okay, so anyway, to the main talking points for this week, uh, Arsenal 0, Liverpool 2. Darwin Nunes can just roll it on to Jota. And Liverpool with uh, a lot of numbers forward here. Luis Diaz wraps it up in style. No Salah, no Van Dijk, no worries for Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool. Uh, besides the two players that uh, Liverpool were missing due to the AFCON and the AFC Championship, of course, I'm talking about Mo Salah and Endo, Waturo Endo, uh, Liverpool were also missing Dominic Soboslai, Robertson, Simikas, and their captain, Virgil van Dijk, and yet they managed to knock Arsenal out. Uh, this result now means Arsenal have lost three games in a row and have won, I believe, just one game in their last seven. Dortun, I, I believe you watched this game. So what was your biggest worry for Arsenal watching that game and how desperate are they for a striker? Because, I mean, just last season, they were flying on high with this same group of attackers. So what has changed between then and now? And um, do you agree with everybody that they desperately need a striker? Nothing uh, has changed, Jiki. A few weeks ago, we spoke about how they weren't playing so well, but they were still getting the results. Mm -hmm. So now it's mostly um, the issue of the results now look like the performances, right? I mean, yeah, true. that's in my own opinion. I I also think that um, it's, it's... Yeah, fine. I think a striker will elevate them. But I also think that they've become very predictable, right? Everybody knows how to set up against them. Everybody knows... Their press triggers. Everybody knows the players that are comfortable on the ball and off the ball. Everybody knows their outlets. And you remember we spoke um, extensively last, was it, I think, two episodes ago, where I said something in the line of, it makes a lot of sense for people to try different things, chop, change, and all of that, yeah. right? Mostly yeah. because, um, say for example, you start Saka wide right, and you start Martinelli right left. What we're used to when we're growing up is if you start on the right and things are not exactly coming your way, you can try your luck on the left for a minute. Do you understand? People used to chop, change, switch and all of yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Right? So mm -hmm. we ask that it's one position for 90 minutes. There is no change. There's no innovation. It's more of mechanical football. So if it's working, it's working fantastically. If it's not working, it's not working. Do you understand? So what a striker will do for them is just elevate their levels and all of that. I don't think it will necessarily affect how they play. They've become very, very, very predictable. So they need their main guys fit and firing all over again. That's just what they need. Um, I know there's a break sometimes soon. I think next week or so, um, the break might work wonders for them. It might give um, them the space, the breathing space to like take time off, go back to the drawing board and start all over again. Right? We can see players like Bukayasaka, players like Martin Odegaard, players like Declan Rice. They've missed very, very few minutes this season. So it's probably something that can help their season to go back to the drawing board and start afresh. Yeah, there's something mentioned there which I totally agree with and that's um, the fact that they don't change. They don't you know, change things up. You know, they're a bit rigid in the way they um, attack, especially on the wings where it's Martinelli on the left and Saka on the right. Or, you know, they don't switch things up. 
And we could see that in Liverpool's game. So yesterday, um, there was, I think the second half, um, they moved, was it Harvey? Uh, they moved Elliot, I, I believe, to the false night rule. They removed, pretty much removed Nunes and put him on the left. Uh, had uh, Luis Diaz, Diaz on the, on the right, yeah, on the right, you know, played with the false night system. And that worked to great effect. You know, we saw, um, what's his name? Uh, Darwin Nunes tormenting White on that left. I mean, tormenting might be a strong word, but. I mean that the, the like the focus more of the attack down that left flank. That was where the foul that he drew for you know the own goal, QBL's own goal. That's where it came from. That down that left wing, and of course that's where the second goal came from. You know, the, you know, working down that left flank as well. So you could see Klopp, you know, moving things around, trying different things in game, and I think that was like the main difference for between the two sides yesterday. I mean, I like I said, Liverpool were missing. A few key players, about four starters, I believe, and um, Arsenal. We are missing maybe just one because I know they started um, Riz Nelson ahead of uh, Gary Jesus and uh, Edin Ketia. Oh, no, it's see it's Liverpool it's making. He's injured, yeah. So you could see um, like Liverpool game. making the most with. <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, one of the reasons why I believe Arsenal should um, sign a striker is that. I don't know. You know that interview where Gabriel Jesus gave and he said something along the lines of he's not really a goal scorer. And in my mind, I'm like, if your top nine is saying this, then there's a problem. Know, know, so it's so, like so where I, I, I didn't really extra into that statement. Me, I just thought is one of these things you see in passing. No, right, I, no, I get, no, I get, but you can't. These guys, most of no, it's most of these um, uh, people that have stuff as second language. Right. Oh, okay, okay, of, okay. I guess. Yeah, it was mm, just okay. like just trying to emphasize on the fact that well, I bring a no more than goals. Sometimes it's the system. Sometimes it's set up. If not, like if I don't score, I don't have a good game or or something like that. So uh, I I like to give people benefit of doubt, Charles. So maybe that's what it was for mm. me. I, no, I, 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 I think that's a fair that's enough point. Uh, I think that's a fair enough point because I mean, if you look at last season, I, I was talking with an Arsenal fan yesterday, and I told him. When you look at um, the opening 14 games of last season, before I think before before he got injured, that Gabriel Jesus, in my opinion, I think he was the best player on that team at that point. You know, of course, during the second half of the season, Martinelli, Odegaard, and Bukayo Saka, they all stepped up. But I, be, I firmly believe in the opening three months of the season, Gabriel Jesus was their was their best player, which is why I don't believe. You know, much has changed, but I mean, his fitness is a worry, so you can't um, you can't blame them if they dip into the market. But yeah, maybe, maybe I didn't I didn't think of that. I'll admit I didn't think of that. You know, the whole second language Um, I mean, for the right price, for the right price, they'll be. I know Tony is rusty. He's not nobody, played for. Nobody's going, was to, it? nobody's going to pay that money for. Nobody's going to pay uh, that money. That's the thing. He's overpriced. That's never the smart signing. Oh, well, yeah. lucky, and depending on Atleta's risk appetite, we might get the break start, a breakout start. The Afcon, it can gamble and take. <laughs> yeah, but again, you know, and, uh, again, you remember what we said at the start of the season that Arsenal they might be at the stage where they, they can afford to because they are so good and they are so set for the future in some key positions, they can afford to allocate. You know, a large chunk of their transfer fees on you know certain places where they feel they need improvement. So it's so, not like know, Manchester it's, United, it's for counter, example. That no, but but it, well, it, look at it as like it's counterproductive. So mm. the fact that you have big money to spend means that mm. your signings have to. Do, it's like you're making hit on me. So it's not like you sign a 20 million striker and you give him um, time to breathe into the squad and all of that. If you sign a striker now for 70 million, 80 million, everybody's going to be on his back immediately. Case in point, mm, Rasmus Oilon. Do you understand? So it's going to be from day one, he has to start delivering. And if you look around the market and you want to get a value purchase, if you're spending 70, 80 million, how many of those guys are willing to move out? If you look around Europe, you probably find, find um, maybe Osimen that signed an extension with a release close of 120 million. Um, I think that's the only person that is a striker striker that 
might be willing to move. If you go to Leverkusen for Boniface, you have to pay yeah. 50 odd, maybe more. And you don't know what you get when it even gets to England as well. So it might be different things. You might go to Newcastle and say you want Isaac. But even at Newcastle, they're showing that there are injury concerns here and there and, and all of that. So it's it's a tricky one for them. I, I, I feel like they'll be a lot better if the players in the system were fit and firing. So maybe they, that's why I said maybe they'll get a breakout star that can be a bench player and take whatever minutes in Ketia is eating up and work with that. Oh, oh, fair, 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 fair. Um, okay, let's move on to what else we in the FA Cup. Kevin De Bruyne, he returned from his four-month injury and supplied an assist in just 17 minutes in Man City's 5-0 win over Huddersfield. Uh, believe it or not, he has one more assist than Anthony has for Manchester United all season, which is just, uh, just depressing. Um, Chelsea beat Preston North End 4-0. Um, I watched a bit of that game. I mean, for the first 45 minutes, that was a very, very close game. But as soon as um, Broha opened the scoring for Chelsea, I think Preston North End, they just lost all their composure. Considered three goals in 11 minutes. And Enzo Fernandez scored the fourth in, I think, well, just a few minutes to go. Uh, there are no major upsets in the FA Cup except for Maidstone United's 1-0 win over Stephenage. Stephenage is in the League Cup. Excuse me, Stephenage is in League One, while uh, Maidstone United is in the National League. That's the sixth tier. League One is the third tier, of course. Um, in the Serie A, there are wins for the top three teams, Inter, Juventus, and Milan. But Napoli, they lost yet again. Uh, this time to Torino 3 0, and they are now down to ninth on the table. Lozano with the set piece. Sanabria was waiting, but in front of him was Alessandro Buongiorno. And it just gets better and better for Torino. It's the local lads with a goal to make it Torino 3, Napoli 0. Now, I know we've extensively talked about uh, Napoli and how they go to where they are now, but. What do you think the solution is for them? I know you said, uh, you jokingly, well, jokingly or, or seriously said that you expect Victor Simen to pull out of the AFCON with quote-unquote an injury in the coming days, uh, return to Napoli where they need him more. But what do you think is the solution for them going forward? Because as it seems right now, they're not going to be the top four. I think that's a foregone conclusion. Or at least they're not going to retain the league title. That part is... Um, certain, but what do you think? Like I said, what do you think is the solution for them going forward? Uh, they have to tear. They have to tear everything up. Uh, you know, we we spoke about them losing Spalletti at the beginning of the season mm -hmm, and facing mm -hmm. him with um, Rudy Garcia, and we spoke about how much of a backward step that was. And what it looks like is they've taken. What it looks like is they've taken another backward step with. Um, What's his name again? Nadia Walter Mazzari. Walter Mazzari. Walter Mazzari. No, mm. well, Mazzari used to be at, um, I think, Cagliari or Bologna, one of those red and blue teams at the bottom of the table. And all of mm. a sudden, you trust him with. And it's the same decision making that puts them in this position in the first place. Basically, they have to go back to the drawing board. They have to look for a way out of this mess because um, Italy is very unforgiving. Every time you slip up, there are five, six teams waiting to climb you into yep. the European sports, right? So, um, except they want to go back to that, their era of mediocrity where they will finish fifth, sixth, and, and all of that, things have to change, and things have to change fast. Um, I know they made cool cash from Kim, and they've probably invested in here and then scored and, and all of that, because obviously we all know that De Laurentiis wants to make his money, but... They cannot afford to be misery right now, especially considering the um, firepower that the other teams have. You look at teams like Milan, teams like Inter, even Juventus that we've been laughing at, they're coming around. You also look at um, Atlanta, you look at Roma. It's going to be very difficult for them to finish in and around those European sports. So drastic yeah. measures have to be taken, and they have to be taken now.
Hmm. I mean, just sad for them. Um, this is a team that, um, in a way, I even feel like it would have benefited them if they had finished like third in the Champions League group stage and found a way into the uh, the Europa League. Because as it is now, like you said, it's going to be it's looking almost impossible for them to finish in the top four. They are. I mean, mathematically, it's, it's just five points. They're just five points away from the top four uh, uh, behind Fiorentina. And, you know, five points, you can make that up in... If you have a run of, let's say, four good games and the people above you slip up a bit. But, you know, like you rightly pointed out, the Serie A is very unforgiving. You have teams like Bologna that are playing very well this season. Fiorentina, they won 10 of their 19 games this season. They have a very good attack uh, defense as well, you know. Uh, there's Atalanta, there's Lazio, and then of course there's Roma. Even though Roma they are they're a bit shaky, you know, and Jose Mourinho, you know, this third season, Wahala, where he's uh, he's you know been making noise about his contract issue. I know you know some news just came out today on um, about him, you know, extending his contract and all those things. Anyway, it'll be interesting to see what is being done about the Napoli situation. Personally, I think De Laurentiis, I think he's, I feel like he's satisfied with that league title they've won because he has not exactly been, I mean, I know he has made the move by, you know, firing Rudy Garcia, bringing in Walter Mazzari and all that, but I don't feel like he's that heartbroken. He feels like he has won this, that's enough for him, at least for the next two, three years. After that, he can now become more aggressive. But as he is, he has made money from the Kim sale, like you pointed out. He has won the title. He just wants to relax for a bit and go back to the drawing board later, later on, not even at the moment. But uh, let's see how that goes. Um, the transfer news, Jano Sancho is close to joining Dortmund. I don't want to speak on that because, um, you know, my, my, thoughts, my thoughts on the player... <laughs> But the big news right now is that Timo Werner has agreed to join Spurs on a loan move with an option to buy. Um, it's very weird because, of course, the last time he was there in the Premier League at Chelsea, he was a very underwhelming signing. He went back to Leipzig. It seemed like he had found, you know, regained a bit of um, confidence and maybe a little bit of form there. But what do you think about this signing going back to Spurs? I know it feels like a short-term fix because Son will be away at the AFC Championship and um, and all that. I know I know it's not very popular opinion, but I, I think it's a very good signing. And mm, okay. my reason is very simple. Um, we've seen how Spurs have played this season, the whole um, island into spaces, all of that, and. If you even have to put their players into profiles, right? You see that um, Vena is not so much different from Son in terms of profile, not quality, right? So it's more of your biggest strength is your speed and your ability to get in behind players. So um, if he's going to work somewhere, it's going to work as well. I mean, there's also what's this guy's Brennan Johnson plays in that yeah. similar manner as well. So you can see similar players doing well there. Just left for him to get in there, do the hard work, and make sure that people remember him for who he was before the Chelsea move. Uh, I feel like um, there are very, very few teams in Europe where you see that type of space to play between, behind, and Spurs is one of them. Right, so it, 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 it's a... I, I've not followed him um, since he went back to Germany. I've not seen much of him. I know that at one point he was doing well with numbers, but uh, the entirety of his game, I have not paid attention to it and all of that. So it's back on the big stage. Everybody gets to watch you week in, week out. So it's there for you to um, keep the naysayers quiet. How did they say that to the game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I believe he has also he has also struggled for for game time this season. I mean, when they signed Luis Openda to pay, uh, and of course, they had Sesco, I always felt like... Uh, even though Timo Werner is a bit more um, versatile in attack. But, I mean, with those two guys, it was always going to be hard. I remember they had Javi Simons as well. So, it felt like Leipzig were a team that were set in attack. So, they, I mean, he looked like surplus to requirement at that point. Uh, but I just never saw him 
coming back to the Premier League and joining a team that had title aspirations. <laughs> well, quote-unquote title aspirations, uh, the way Spurs do. Uh, but yeah, like I said, he fits a certain profile. And um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see how it pans out for them. Um, uh, Postacoglu has you know, worked his magic on a few players. And if there's one thing that he's known for is, you know, instilling that confidence in players. Um, you see players that had lost a bit of form under him. They seem to have that self-belief. We are seeing the bit with, with, with Charleston. Of course, Son has, you know, Son is playing at the top level. It's not, nothing has really changed with him. Um, so, I mean, it's interesting to see if he will have that effect on Timo Werner to make him rediscover his form from about four or five years ago at Leipzig. Um, there was something that we did around, so the first episode of last month, December, where we did something on the Ballon d'Or front runners, where we just had a list of who we thought was, you know, in the top five for the Ballon d'Or, uh, like a power, Ballon d'Or power ranking, basically. And when, but so uh, let me just go through what we had for the last time. Uh, Bayo had Jude Bellingham, Erling Haaland, Mbappe, Griezmann, and Lautaro Martinez. I had Bellingham, of course. I think we all had Bellingham. So I had Bellingham, I had Kane, I had Lautaro Martinez, I had Salah and Haaland. And you had Bellingham, Kane, Mbappe, Salah, and Griezmann. So we were on the same page with Bellingham, Kane, uh, but I had Latro Martinez, Haaland, and so has anything changed between the first weekend of last month and now? Do you still think that those are the players that are your top five in the world at the moment or, or not? Um, yeah, I, I still think that those are top five at the moment. I don't see anybody sneaking in. Um, I don't see anybody sneaking in. That's still what it is. And you, don't, and you don't see anybody dropping out. I don't see anybody dropping out too. Um, uh, so you you uh, still have Latoro, you still have Griezmann over Haaland and Latoro Martinez. Um, to be fair, Haaland hasn't played since. And, yeah, true, 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 true. And and, and Latoro hasn't exactly done anything since early December as well. So, so you're sticking yeah. with your five. Anyway. Yeah, anyway, it's a long season. I do my taking is allowed now. Abby. Yeah, of course. Of course, of course. Yeah, of course. so when we get when we of get course. to that bridge, you cross it. I mean you you'll be very surprised that um by the time it's April, me you see players like maybe Vinicius, players like maybe KDB. Um mm. yeah, yeah, you see some people just with little Even Rodrigo. Rodrigo is doing well. Yeah, so you, you just see a lot of people mm. coming in towards the end of season and leading title charges, leading um, deep knockout runs in Europe and all of that. So, yeah, we'll have to just with that. But at the moment, I'm sticking with my five. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, so looking at this year, looking at the year 2024, I want us to make a very big prediction, a bold prediction. Uh, maybe when uh, the next episode, when uh, Bayo and Chuki and the rest join, I'll ask them for their own predictions as well. Uh, for me personally, my big prediction is that Jurgen Klopp will leave Liverpool this season if and only if he doesn't win the Premier League title. That's my big prediction for this year 2024 do you have any bold prediction for this year um my united is going to have at least three managers this year Ooh. interesting yeah, so i expect i expect that to leave at a point in time and i expect is um i expect the person after him to be sacked as well this year Mm, so do you think do you think uh I think, if the standards he comes... are going to, I think the standards are going to increase uh, okay first is first i think that all the managers post feggy have been sacked late there's been um the emotional factor the pity factor the history factor 
and all of that. So I just feel like now the standards are going to increase. It's mostly going to be performance based. So if you don't do well, you're going to be off and off very quickly. I mean, that's fair enough. Um, I think one thing that uh, these new, the guys at Ineos have uh, spotted, which is something that the fans had been saying for a very long time. I, I mean, uh, the Glazers are idiots, which is why they've not you know, spotted that. But I mean, it, it was very obvious. The system needed to be changed, not necessarily the manager. And it seems that for now, what they're doing is to leave Ten Hag for now, like I said, for now, and focus on getting the right... Yep. Structure it, it, it almost looks like it almost looks like they're mm. yeah it almost looks like they're assessing the situation and seeing exactly what's going on yeah so if they feel that they're putting the right things and all those ones that's next thing that happen yeah i mean glad to be wrong but it is what it is at the end of the day uh, I don't know if glad to be wrong is the word because as it as it looks now then how it doesn't seem like he's He's um, like he's improving on anything. I mean, when you when you when you consider the fact that, uh, like we talked about when we were when we were talking about um, discussing sorry when we were discussing the Unana situation, the players are low on confidence, and what you're doing right now to at least the the, the second choice goalkeeper is that you are destroying his confidence even further by not giving him you know chances and saying you know doing everything you possibly can to you know um have onana stick around for as long as possible so i mean things like that when you consider all of them it just feels like uh, i don't know what exactly ten hag is doing you know the chopping and the changing but i i i actually see that happening at some point if he leaves this season uh, I mean, but that would mean that whoever comes in after Ten Hag will be the wrong hire. Uh, for the sake of Manchester United fans, I I will say I hope you are wrong. Uh, but if if your prediction is to come through, that means um, they would sack Ten Hag, hire the the wrong manager, and then get rid of him for the third person. Uh, I like that one. I like how bold that prediction is. But yeah. Mine is Jurgen Klopp. I think he's going to leave after the season if they don't win the league and Liverpool might have to look elsewhere. Of course, they have an ex-player who is doing great things in Germany and that might be the first person they turn to. Um, okay, let's just round up this first half of the show. Um, what are the realistic targets you have signing for each of these clubs? Well, we already spoke about Arsenal, so I won't bring that up again. But... Um, Real Madrid, they've had their own share of injuries. Who, which realistic player do you see joining them this season? We'll start with that. Um, so for Real Madrid, I feel like um, it's tricky because, you know, Madrid is one of the very few clubs in the world where the managers don't necessarily have the same transfers. Perez just goes to the market, finds a shiny new toy and... And that's it. But I'm not sure when Hendrick is going to be ready to play. Um, I don't think it will be this season. I don't know yet. Uh, if you see him, it will be good. But I feel like they need a striker, like a number nine, a proper number nine. Uh, I think the closest thing they have to a striker now is Rodrigo. And it's not yeah. exactly a number nine. He's probably in the mood of a nine and a half. Um, you said to is contributing his bits um, here and there, but I don't think it's really much standard number nine. So they have to get um, a proper number nine, and what it will do for them is actually allow the other players to flourish, allow Rodrigo to stay in his half space, allow to stay wide, allow Benyam to play in midfield. And I mean, you see Madrid play nowadays, and up until the midfielders get into the box before they can start crossing. And another, sometimes it looks frustrating on the eye, and another makes their play slow, transition is so forced and rigid, and all those other things. So, I need, I feel like that's what they need right now. They need to just pull round pegs in round holes, get in number nine at his feet, and fire it. And I think we'll take that thing to the next level. Yeah. Um, okay. What about Manchester United, the big one? Who do you 
see signing and and note that most of these guys that come in january most of them aren't the big signings they're usually just um quick fixes temporary fixes like uh <laughs> like we saw with veghost and all those things but uh just judging by the positions that you feel need to be showed up a bit uh who do you think is the realistic target for manchester united this um this january So I feel like I feel like with United January is tricky. Um, United need, uh, United have a lot of positions that need to fill, so they will have to prioritize. Um, <clears throat> as far as I'm concerned, I think that looking at possible exits, United probably need um, looking at possible exits. United need a centre back. Um, it's very likely that both Maguire and Vara will be at the end of the season. Um, so United is just going to have um, Lindelof um, and Martinez. I think Evans deal is one year, so it's this off at the end of the year. Um, Vara probably go to Saudi Arabia or whatnot. Um, Maguire yeah, yeah. to another English team, but probably mm-hmm, big money yeah. and another. So I think United is a centre back. Um, Let's talk about the guy at um, Everton, Bradford. But I feel like that's Lizzy uh, scouting. Right? There are a lot of centre backs in Europe that will do the job, and of course, probably have the prize as well. So if you bring in um, new management, new recruitment team, new CEO, new sporting director, and all of that, uh, I mean, they should work for their money. They should go to Portugal, they should go to Italy, go to Germany, France. They started everywhere, yeah. So yeah. I, I think that's going to be the most important position. Um, at, I, I think you let have a number of holes. Uh, what we just simply done is prioritize with everybody's feet and possible um, exits. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking about centre backs, there's one that I believe is on their radar. Uh, that's Jean Claire Tudibo. Of course, is from. He plays at Nice, another club being owned by uh, the Ineos company. And that deal will be a lot easier to, you know, well, I, to I, approve. I thought, Spurs, I thought Spurs were all over that. Uh, I mean, I mean, <laughs> if, Ineos, if Ineos feels like uh, he's needed more at Manchester United, uh, I, I don't think uh, they're going to accept except Spurs make a very huge bid. They'll, uh, then, of course, you know, money is still a business at the end of the day. But um, if Ten Hag really wants him, um, you know, I mean, he, the age, the profile, he's a good... I mean, I think we talked about him a few weeks ago. He's a very good passer, very calm on the ball. Um, he's very instrumental to the way that team plays, you know, bringing, playing out from the back and everything. He has similar numbers to Lewis Dunk. At Brighton, you know, Bright, uh, Louis Dunk leads the league in passes uh, ahead of, uh, I believe, Rodri. Even though Rodri has played fewer, way fewer games because of suspensions and everything. So, John Clare Todibo is one player that, you know, is hot in the market. Um, I actually see that happening, but it's going to be tough to make that happen in January because he's actually doing very well for Nice and they are, I believe, they are still second in the league, huh? Right now, they're on the verge of getting back into the Champions League or qualifying for the Champions League. So, uh, you know, his loss is going to disrupt of, that. Um, you know, the stuff of ratification saying that you never can transfer the up until this whole takeover thing is being ratified. Yeah, true. Like, mm. I'm not sure we'll see a lot of action in the January or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, um, that's going to be it for this first part of the show. Up next, Birdwatch. Welcome to Birdwatch, part two of the Clean Tackles podcast. On Birdwatch, we talk about our favorite birds, the Super Eagles and the Super Falcons, as well as all things Nigerian football. Uh, we'll start with the Super Eagles today. Uh, earlier, earlier in the day, they lost to Guinea 2-0 in a pre-tournament friendly. 
um, Simon Moses missed the penalty. But um, let's let's um, step aside from that a bit because we didn't watch the game, um, so I can't really comment on that. But again, again, a disappointing result from the Super Eagles, and it leaves us with very little confidence heading into this tournament. Uh, but let's shift our focus to the squad list. Now, um, while we were away, Ahmed Musa was officially included in the Super Eagles 23-man squad for the AFCON. It's 23 or 25, I don't can't remember now, but he's officially on the squad. Uh, so the last time this issue came up when he was on the the, the provincial squad, uh, we talked extensively on the Ahmed Musa issue. Anyway, Dotun, in 60 seconds or less, what are your thoughts on him being officially included in the squad heading to the outcome? Um, this, this, this 60 seconds, does it include the extra comments and all of that? Our, our <laughs> podcast is PG, now, isn't it? Oh, well, once in a while, you're allowed to show our human side and, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> get a bit colorful. So it's, it's never that serious. And mm. I, I was very disappointed with that because I've heard from yeah. a couple of insiders about how it was going to make that list. Remember when we were speaking about extensively, I said um, it was listed in the provisional squad as the team captain. And it was yeah. when I saw that something funny was happening. Right? Um, I feel like with the attacking talents that we have at the moment, uh, with, um, with the players we have, both um, home abroad and all. like even if you want to do um the whole quota home base thing that people were making noise about well, you get better players here than at Musa because nobody even knows last time he played for a lot of people didn't want to be probably plays for all of that. So it's mostly um it's mostly embarrassing. Um I know that you will get some cock and bull story about um Record number of AFCONs, record number of competitive games, number of caps, and, and all of those things. But at the end of the day, I feel that um, these things should be done on merit, right? I'll also understand, because I, like I said, I like to give grace to a lot of people. You hear talk about how it's maybe an influence in the dressing room, how he's one of the members in the squad, how he'll probably play minimal minutes. And, and and all those other things. But then again, we'll get to the tournament and start as captain. And anyway, um, Bosseri is basically right in exactly that. I think that's what I'll just conclude it. Oh, God, man. If I can have just, you know, 10 minutes, just 10 minutes with that guy. And. Uh, with Bosseri? Just 10 minutes with a proper uh, king. Uh, that's all. Yeah, That's all. all. Just can't can't anyway, um, Stanley Wambale and uh, Lunreke Ojo were named in the squad as goalkeepers as, alongside Francis Ozoho. Um, I think when you look at Jose Poserio's um, pursuit or you know the the way he went about including Stanley Wambale in that squad, it felt like he was. Uh, done with Francis Uzoho, he felt like he had realized what all of us had realized a long, long time ago. It just took him about eight months. Uh, it took him about, yeah, eight months to, to realize that. Um, do you think that he should be dropped right away? Because, yeah, we've not had enough time to experiment with others. Uh, but, I mean, we know what to expect when uh, Francis Uzoho is between the sticks. Do you think we should just go ahead, rip the bandit off, drop him, start either one of Ojo or Mambali? Okay, so I'm I'm not bothered about Ojo in the sense that if he's dropped, if he's not dropped, it's a really cool okayness, man. Now I'm more bothered about the um people that might come in. That's the starting Wambali and um already like Ojo. Um bothered about um, them being thrown into the deep end under the microscope mm. right off from the get-go, right? You know how if Uzo is not a goal, then you put somebody in goal and everybody starts saying, oh, let's even see what this person is up and about. So those guys cannot afford to make mistakes if they get the yeah. opportunity. And that's my concern for them. I mean, at the end of the day, they're probably both better goalkeepers than Uzo anyway, but 
whenever Ozone makes a mistake, we're like, we're used to it, we're used to it. And it's one of the points about friendly games, it's one of the points about um, about like, building a squad towards the tournament. We've done zero in terms of building a squad for the AFCON. Our mm-hmm. qualifiers were more of the same, our friendly matches were more of the same. There's no experimenting, no new call-ups, no, basically more of the same, right? So, um, We've just got in the situation whereby we're going to lay on our bed the way that we've made it. That's, that's it. Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, I feel like we should just go ahead and, and drop him. It's no it's no use. We already, Like I said, we already know what to expect. I think it's a straightforward um, situation. Um, he doesn't play for his club side. He has like four or five caps all season and these other two guys are uh are regulars for their respective clubs to me that matters a lot um but yeah, let's see what happens to the then you also yeah talk about you also yeah talk about uh, the devil you know uh devil is better than the angel that you know <laughs> bro this but devil I, that i know this devil that i know regardless of who stays in we're not going to move there um, I'm yeah, I mean, there's that, uh, but I've looked, I just I've want to look up to uh, up against, and if there was no person that I would have said I would get to go out and watch this. Since I started watching, since I watched football, mm. I don't think Nigeria has ever gone out and watched the job of mm, I don't think so, too. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's ever happened. It's either we don't go at all. Or we get to quarterfinals, right? Even last tournament I went out in round of sixteen, it was our first time going to an Afghan and missing quarterfinals. We can even do a small track record. Uh, in '96 we didn't go. In '98 we did not go as well. Yeah. In 2000 we went to final. In 2002 semis, four semis, six. When did we go out in 2006? 2006 was I think quarterfinal. And we lost to every post in 2006. In 2008, Ghana beat us. I remember that one clearly. 10 was Egypt. Yeah, we finished. We were third place, right? In Egypt. We were third place in 2010. Yeah, I think think we finished third. Then we didn't go to 12. 12, yeah. Yeah, then we won 13. 13. We didn't go to to 17. Yeah, third place in 19. Yeah, then round of 2016. Was the round of 16. So, mm-hmm. so what we do at the beginning? I don't know. That, but I feel like we're in for a shocker this time around. Like, uh, I'm so pretty sure that's zero. You know, when you were away, um, I asked Bayo and Chiki a question about Atronic Camp going to Dubai first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I thought it made zero sense. And Bayo said it was um, our position's ways of. of um, sorry for me, for another that. I mean, mm-hmm. nowhere we are from. Uh, that's probably what it was. Mm. Uh, you know, the only reason why I feel that we might not go out of the group stage is because so the barrier to entry for the round of 16 is very, very, very low. We can finish as low as third place. I still have, I believe, a 60, 66% chance or so of making it, you know. So four of the six group, uh, four of the six teams that finish in third place are going to make the round of 16. So we will have to finish last. So of course, that, or that's be, what I Or said. be a very awful, yeah. Mm. Oh, no, that's, that's what so I said. I, 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 I yeah. Yeah, but I don't think we'll have a good show. I think it will just be yeah. Again, it's one of those way we cases for me because if we go there and we do well, I mean, I won't say no to that. But judging by mm-hmm. operations, nah, 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 this is simply not No, it's been poor. This is one of I, I, it is, it's so poor. It's so, it's so sad because when you look at the attack, this is, I, I'm, I mean, this even leads me to our next, to the next, um, item here yeah. wilfred indeedy and just today victor boniface 
their absence from the team. You know, Boniface was just announced this evening a few hours ago. Uh, he has, I think, a hamstring or is a muscle tear. He's going to be out of action for six weeks. So he's going to miss the tournament. Uh, uh, Wilfred and Dean. Wilfred and Didi was announced last week. Uh, so, I mean, the, with these two guys leaving, did that change your expectations? Or even with them, you still were not optimistic heading into the tournament. Did this have any effect on you whatsoever? See, if you bring... Um, if you bring JJ, Miguel, can you see so far? Award. <laughs> Number one, so far we have Bosero on the bench. Bosero, So far we have that goalkeeping situation. Mm. Number three, so far we have, in fact, we do even have a centre back pairing, right? And if you look at all the things that have won the Afcon that you can think of in the, you, you have to have something that is solid at the back, right? You must have like a proper goalkeeping and defence structure. Where you're tough. African tournaments are generally low scoring. So it's not like somebody's going to win the final 4 2 or 2 0. Or... In fact, if you see one goal in the final, you're lucky. Do you understand? So if we do not set up that part of our team properly, like it's clearly the weakest part of our team. It's the type of thing where we concede early, we go all hours looking for an equalizer and we concede the second goal. Remember, I've said it multiple times. We're not as good as we like to think that we are. We probably have a couple of good players, the best player in Africa at the moment, and all of that, right? But in terms of the squad, a team, position by position, if you go around the team and say, okay, let's look at um, other teams in Africa, how many teams are with, how many positions are with the best team? It probably just be a cement, and that'll be a wrap. I don't think we are that good anywhere else. Do you understand? So, I think mm. with or without Indidi, with or without Boniface, not much would have changed. Yeah, individual brilliance could have saved us different minutes and all of that, right? But looking at the whole picture, looking at the entirety of what the team has to offer and all of that, I don't think not much is changing. Yeah, and just to touch on that point that you made about being loose scoring. So it's even getting worse over time because um, I did a piece on this uh, a few weeks ago. So over the past, so from Ghana 2008, there's been a steady decline in number of goals per game at the AFCON. So in Ghana 2008, it was 3.09 goals per game. In Angola 2010, it was 2.45 goals per game. In 2012, it was 2.38. In, 20, in 2013, it was 2.16. In 2015, it dropped to 2.13. In 2017, it was 2.06. In 2019, it was 1.96. And the last edition of the AFCON, hosted by Cameroon just uh, two years ago, it was 1.92. So you're absolutely right. The goal at a premium right now. And I believe there hasn't been a goal at the AFCON in about 13 years or some. Sorry, not a, a hat trick at the AFCON. In you know, it's years crazy how I, I didn't even need to look at the numbers. I just remember yeah. that the last Afcon, once you score first, you are done. Yeah, Joshua. Uh, yeah. In fact, when you score first against uh, Tunisia, all of us in the whole Africa, we knew we were out. Mm. So yeah, you are not going to equalize. You are not going to do any comeback for a story and all of that. So you need to proper, proper, yeah. proper setup. That's what we do have. Mm. Yep, I mean, if you look at Senegal, when they won the tournament the last time, they had five clean sheets in seven games and they only considered uh, two goals in the entire seven games. So, I mean, it just shows, uh, it shows how, how important the defense is. So, I, as much as Nigerians, we've been shouting Sabi, about Sabi you know, Ajani, attack and everything, yeah. <laughs> Wait, yeah, it's, it's uh, my brother. My brother, it's, it's going to be tough. Um, anyway, just last point on the AFCON. Um, so, Finley George, the head coach of AIMBA, is going to miss five games while on AFCON duty. Uh, both of us have actually talked about this in, the, in previous episodes, how it just makes no sense that um, 
the the AFCON is ongoing and the local league, our domestic league, is ongoing at the same time. It makes no sense. But Aimba is a team that has title aspirations, they're defending champions and all that. Um, how how damaging do you think this is going to be to be with their, to be without your head coach for five games uh, while he's away on, it, on international duty? I mean, you're losing players to international duty, also losing managers to international duty, only, only in this country. Uh, you know, I was going to tell you that uh, even though I was under the weather a bit, I was going to sing that uh, Idris, Nigeria, Jaga, Jaga. <laughs> We are, we, are, we are unbelievable in this country, right? And uh, well, it, it's it's just like a reflection of where we are as a country and where we are in terms of football. Um, you know, we always like, try to advocate saying that um, it's unfair to European clubs to lose their players to mm. international duty middle of the season and all of that. Then what did we do? We are holding Africa decided to run our leagues concurrently with AFCON. Um, you know how at the beginning of when the professionals came out, you know how um, media people were up and down shouting and screaming about no home based player made the squad and all of that. Now, how many home based teams will be willing to release their players to go and play, for example, Enyimba, that have to leave um, their goalkeeper? Yeah, do you understand? Um, mm. Imagine if they'd called maybe Sadiq Ismail and Sikri Alimi from Remo Stans. You mm. should lose your best right back, you lose your number nine, and uh, it makes no sense. The best you can do, or at least you can do, is it, let your player, let your league be on break. It's two weeks or three weeks, right? Yeah. You just try and be innovative about it. Call it a winter, just call it something that make sure that the players can't even watch the Super Bowl and, and all of that. But you know, here we're very disorganized now, so we've done the things the way we want to do them. And I yeah, because I mean, if you look at the AFC Championship in Asia, uh, it's it's about to start, and of course, the Saudi Pro League, all of them, they are all on break for I believe the next three, will be only on break for a month basically and so it's just it feels like common sense it should be common sense so it's just sad when you know um people are going against that it, it makes no sense to me so anybody are going to be without yeah, goalkeeper and coach because of the afcon it just makes no sense right? and with the kind of form that remote stars are on i don't even see anyone catching them um anyway that leads us that leads us to talk about uh, the mpfl your beloved sporting legals they are in soup right now even though i know um the point differential is not much uh but they're officially in the relegation zone soup is soup is soup which one is <laughs> yeah i mean i mean if they can win their outstanding game even though they haven't won in a long time but even if they can just get even if it's a point you know they move up to to 16 and like i said i know the the the, the point gap is not much but uh it's now just two draws in their part in their last five games uh they've picked up two points from a possible 15 and like i said they're an 18th uh remember the start of the season when we were talking about heartland and how how difficult it was for heartland to pick up wins uh right now sporting lagos is just one point ahead of heartland uh how disappointed are you in this form and do you see any big changes coming soon um so first um disappointment no i was so remember i've studied all along and the most important thing for a team that just got into a league is to stay up. And yeah. what people were carried away at the beginning of the season, I kept on saying, United need. I said United. Because I'm watching the United game. Sporting Lagos <laughs> need to stay up first and um, get it to recognize that the Premier League is not um, is a no-drop zone. And I also use, use the example of the Monsters back in 2015, 2016, when they came into the Premier League for the first time. They also went back down. Right? So um, you have to prioritize. You have to make sure that no matter what happens, 
I hope or hope they remain in the league. Only then can you start planning on how to grow and all that. You know, first season in the league, certain things that nobody will tell you, certain things that nobody can show you. You have to express that yourself. Right? Um, someone was pointing how this is 19 games into the league, or 16 games into the league. I think almost every team has had a penalty except for Lagos. If I suppose Lagos have had two consider at home so far. Mm. And uh, the different conspiracy theories here and there and all of that. But I feel like in due time, um I feel like in due time they're getting right. Um they're still unbeaten at home for now. And we all know that mm-hmm. um, if you are going to make anything this early, you have to make sure that your own form is is very good. So um next game is a very tough one. It's a home street sisters on Sunday. As usual, um, I will be there. Um, I try my best and pick up different things. And uh, let's see how it goes. I, 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 you also asked another question. I said something about am I expecting changes? So um, I feel like this game over the weekend is a must win game for Good Ball. Good Ball of I think it's only very good job as well as it goes for at a certain stage, doing a good job will not be good enough, especially if they continue to <clears throat> they continue to walk into the relegation zone. Yeah, it needs results to start speaking up for him. Um, first home game is another. So, um, you're hosting, um, the last time we talked uh, this weekend, so um, he absolutely needs um, absolutely needs three points. In this one, I feel like if he doesn't win, considering the fact that the next game is a way to bend there, he might not have a job after that. All right, that's going to be it for this episode of the podcast. Thanks for listening. Please share, subscribe, and leave a review. Um, follow us on all social media platforms at Clean Tacos Pod to keep the conversation going. And once again, Happy New Year and have a great 2024. Cheers, guys.